0: It has been said that fellowship is easy to define. Fellowship's two fellows in the same ship, traveling in the same direction, under the same inspiration, finding the same destination. And I agree with all of that. We are called to be in fellowship with God, and it's very important for us to understand that in order to be in fellowship with God, there are certain behaviors or traits that we need to exhibit, because we need to be identified as His children. As Christians, we need to practice righteousness and not sin. It's not enough just to call yourself a Christian or be the member of a church or even participate in in your local church. You need to do more than that. You need to be an individual who practices righteousness in a realistic way share a story with you that I meant to tell Dr. Chittam a long time ago, but I'll go ahead and tell him now while I'm telling the rest of you. I read about two doctors who had the same name. They were in the same building just across the hall from each other, and people kept getting them confused because one was a, a Christian and a lay preacher. The other was an atheist. And people would look them up, and they had the same names, and, and they were at the same address, so they weren't sure. And so one day a woman called, and she thought she had the right doctor. And she said, is this the doctor who preaches? And he, tongue-in-cheek, says, no, said, this is the one who practices. And she said back to him, she said, well, aren't we supposed to practice and preach? Well, they they got their practices mixed up, but the reality is, as Christians, we're supposed to practice and preach. Not just proclaim, but to live it. And that matters. Good doctrine should always lead to good practice. Always. John wants to ask his readers here, do your actions match your profession? We all want to go to heaven. We all understand as we get older that this world is not our home and that we have another destination and As the little boy told me one time in New Orleans when we were out and when I was in seminary there and we would walk through the French Quarter and hand out tracts and witness to people and there was a little boy there who was witnessing for his church. He had a keener way of doing it than we did. He'd walk up to people and hand them a tract and he'd say, you got to go somewhere for eternity, smoking or non-smoking. That got their attention. Some of them ran away. But the reality is, he had the right idea. Eternity is there, and we're going to spend it somewhere. And in this life, we decide. There's an old saying that goes like this, practice makes perfect. And that's true. But the question is, what are you practicing as a Christian? Is is your faith something that, that you get... Convinced and convicted of from time to time. And then you grow a little closer to God and you begin to walk in the, as they say, the straight and narrow. You you might spend a week or two doing your devotions and praying. But then some point you move back in the old habit. Getting up a little too late after a night that went a little too long with friends. And you rush through your morning and left God out. And you look back and you were sorry you did and you wish you had done differently, but you continue to make that habit of crowding everything into your life but what really matters. That's what I want to think about this morning. How do we avoid doing that? As Christians, we need to practice righteousness and not sin, but how do we do that? How do we get in the habit of that and not fall into that trap? Well, the first thing I want you to consider is this. A Christian doesn't practice sin ever. Ever. Everyone who is born of God does not sin. Now, a lot of people read that and get very confused. They say, now hold on a second. I'm saved and I know that Jesus is in my heart. I have the Holy Spirit within me. But I still struggle with sin. And you're so right. We all do. But you have to go beyond the surface of this in the language that it's written in. Remember, you know, it was not written in the English language, especially not in NIV. Uh, uh, but the reality is there's a phrase here that's very important we need to understand. Poyon is a Greek word that's in the present active participle here that means about something that's a habit of doing. He that is born of God does not practice as a habit of doing sin. Now we're all going to sin, we're going to fall into situations where we we make choices either by by just doing the wrong thing or just simply not doing what we should do. That, That is a part of our life. And we're all going to struggle with that. That's why daily when we have our devotions and we pray, part of our prayer is asking for forgiveness for our sins. Christian does not practice as a lifestyle or a way of living a sin or sins. And if you're in that trap, you're in trouble because it's taken over your life in a remarkable way. I used to give this example, and I learned very quickly that it doesn't work so well, but I'll go ahead and share it with you. When I tried to explain to people about the difference between committing a sin or practicing as a way of life a certain type of sin, I said, let me give to you two TV preachers. Jim Baker had an affair with a woman named Jessica Hahn. He had one affair once. He repented of it. He wept over it. And he moved away from it and did everything he could to make things right. He was criticized roundly in Atlanta at the Christian Broadcasters uh, Network there that year by another preacher who was on TV by the, uh, I hate to even mention his name, Jimmy Swaggart. And he referred to Jim Baker as a cancer on the body of Christ. And he sinned once. We later discovered, as the whole world did, that Jimmy Swaggart had been carrying on a 20-plus year trip, weekly to see prostitutes. Now I want to tell you something and I use that as an example. The Christian will sin. Now don't you go out and find Jessica Hahn, okay? I'm not saying that. But the Christian will sin and we will have failures in life, but we don't practice it as a way of life. And, and what disturbed me so was that Jimmy Swaggart, who by the way up until that time was one of my favorite preachers. I looked up to him greatly but for him not only to live that way on a daily basis or weekly basis, but then to point at another man and say, he is a cancer on the body of Christ, shows how sin blinds you and causes your perspective in right and wrong to go that way. That is the very reason why we confess our sin, we forsake it, and we walk away from it. We don't want to practice our sin. There's something about practicing sin that will turn your, 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 your scope that you focus on you with, that microscope that's supposed to examine your life, we turn it around and we turn it into a, a binoculars to examine other people. And that's not what we're called to do. If we thoroughly examine our own lives and confess our sins and stay focused on cultivating holiness in our lives, we won't have time to examine the failures and the fallings of others. We can love them. We can pray for them. We can encourage them. But to look at them and judge them? No. No. Because Jesus said, as you judge them, I'm going to judge you. It's so important that we understand the importance of what this says. You know, the expression here means not just the person sinning, but he that is born of God does not keep on sinning. At some point, you're going to confess your sin, and you're going to understand that sin as God sees it. It's going to be painful to you. There's a difference between committing a sin and continuing in in sin. God wants us to be people who are examples to others. Years ago, Noel Coward, some of you know who I'm talking about, the famous British playwright, who was widely known in the the mid-1900s to play tricks on people. And one day he wanted to just play a trick on some friends, so he picked out ten of his friends that were very prominent people in London. And he sent all ten of them a little anonymous note by a a delivery person, and the note says, We know what you did, and we're going to reveal it if you don't leave London. Would you care to venture a guess at how many of those ten left? All of them. Within six months, all of them were gone. In fact, it was so bad that Noel Coward didn't tell anybody for 15 years he did that because he was too embarrassed. He said, that that backfired totally. But what it revealed to us is this. We're all sinners. We all have have failures and, and situations that terrify us. One of the early church fathers, Christosom, said this. He said, someone might say that the devil is present in sinners even before they sin because they have made room for him. Now think about this. The answer to this is that committing sin is making room for the devil. It amounts to one and the same thing. Sinning begins by making room for that sin. Therefore, we realize this. There are children of the devil. And we don't want to emulate them. That's the second important thing. Don't become like them. It's kind of frightening when you stop and think about it. Because Jesus turned everything on its head in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5. He did an amazing thing because theologically he tore apart what most of of the, the believers of that day that followed Judaism believed. The Pharisees especially. He said, you have heard it said, thou shalt not kill. But if you go after a brother and you think badly of them, you've already done that. He said, you have heard it said, do not commit adultery. But if you think and lust after someone, you've already committed it. it. It begins way back there. And what Jesus was saying is, Satan shows up. And if you let him stay, you're in trouble. You know, we pray, and, and Dr. Chittum's led us this way, we want God to show up and show out. Amen? But you know, sometimes Satan shows up, and he tears everything out. He destroys it. Remember, that's his name, Abaddon in in the Greek, the destroyer. He wants to mock and ridicule everything that God has made. Currently, in America, what is being attacked is the family unit. started way back in the mid-70s, early 70s, really, for that matter. And they wanted to destroy the sanctity of life. By making abortion legal and right. I always remember the little little sign that I read one day that a very simple little lady that worked in the office where my restaurants were located, she had on her desk and it said this. It said 100% of all the people who believe in abortion survived. Think about that. The people that believe in abortion have already survived something like that and they're alive. But the reality is we're taking God's job when we do that. Most abortions in the world today are about convenience and not paying for a decision you made that you regretted. But the reality is, on the other side, on the flip side of that, every child that's conceived, it was conceived by God's granting that, and they have a purpose. And I know that because I'm one of those children. I was an unwanted child in the womb. I I understand that. Sometimes people make choices that are inconvenient later on. But I wasn't a choice, I was a child. And I'm so glad that God saw me through that. The reality is this. We have to be careful how we let Satan enter into our heart and guide us. Be careful the voices you listen to. Satan has a way of leading us in the wrong direction. But he makes it sound so palatable and so sensible and so logical. You know... John says here, dear children, don't let anyone deceive you about this. And I love the way he says it. When people do what is right, it shows that they are righteous, even as Christ is righteous. Sometimes it's not convenient to do what is right. It's easier to go with the crowd, and you're going to have to stand alone. Don't underestimate God's using you for that purpose. I've had occasions in my life before I entered the ministry that I had to make an unpopular decision not to go with the crowd. And amazingly, when I shared that decision, in humility and not judgment of other people, just being humbly honest about how I felt as a Christian, I've seen the whole group turn. And say, you know, you're right, I wanted to do that also, but let's go with what you said. Sometimes it just takes one person to take that stand. And you may be that person. And it may be seemingly frustrating to begin with. But make that decision. Because God has given you a heart to be a leader, to follow Him. John's tender affection for his readers causes us to be reminded of the perilous situation. He did not want his readers to fall into that trap because he understood that it's easy to begin sinning and to continue practicing sin. Satan loves to do that. I love the illustration, the story that was, was just so good about the carousel. Uh, I grew up going to uh, the Southeastern Fair, and, and Jeff, you remember that, how that was in Atlanta um, it was a fun thing to do and they had a, a gigantic carousel that they, would, they had there and they would actually close it up at the end of the time and, 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 and then they'd open it up and you'd ride it. And I can remember being on that carousel and once it starts, you can't get off till it stops. I found that out because I wanted off one time. It got spinning so fast and the music was so loud and there were so many people around there and there were so many lights flashing that I was ready to go, but I couldn't go trapped. Sometimes sin is that way. You feel like you're trapped and you don't want to do anything that's awkward or out of place. But dear friend, please, whatever it takes, make that choice to get away from sin. Satan is the founder of lawlessness and rebellion against God. And nothing delights him more than to use you. Don't allow him to do that. But lastly, remember this you're the children of God. We're born into God's family by choice. God chose before the foundations of the world, and we choose when we realize within our hearts that we're sinners. And by making that choice and having that new birth, as we call it, a rebirth, we're changing. We don't change all at once. We would love to do that, but we can't. Because part of what we're dealing with is the world we're living in. I would love to know that I could take my my car to the car wash and wash it once and it'd stay clean. But it won't do that. I have the remnants of some beautiful soil from out in Pleasant Hill on my vehicle right now. Probably about a pound of it that belongs back in the cotton fields there. But I have to wash my car regularly as you do. In the same way, we have to clean our lives up regularly. Because we move through life like the cars move through Dallas County. And we have to make sure that we don't allow that to remain with us. He that is born of God doth not commit sin. Those who have been born into God's family do not want to sin. We want to change. We want to be like Him. We want to be the children of God and practice the ways of the children of God. But the world is watching. And just surely as you're demonstrating in a realistic way who Jesus is, it matters. One of our precious church families owns an advertising business, Black Belt Outdoors. And I love the fact that they're there. I especially love the fact that they advertise for us. Uh, and that's so good to, have to see that and let, up, let the world know that we love them. But in another way, advertising is what all of us are about. Because the moment you name the name of Christ, people watch you and they see, you know, are you promoting something that you can live up to? They're observing that. Make sure that everything you do says to them that Jesus has changed you altogether. Make sure that they see you in a progression that's moving forward, not backward. Make sure that, that you're not working on the side for someone else, as a, a friend told me once. He said, you've got to work for God and Him alone. There's no space for anyone else. For yourself, for another person, or for the devil. And make sure that others look at you and they're drawn to Jesus. Because people are looking for a place to go and something to be involved with. People are looking for something that will last and will matter. They're looking out at the world right now and they don't understand what they're seeing. There was a time when you would turn your televisions on and they'd tell you what was going on in the way of the news. And I posted a little something on Facebook the other day. And, and, and then you'd decide how you felt about it. Now what they do, they come on the news and they tell you what you're supposed to think about something... And the reality is you've got to find out whether or not that's really the news. Well, I've got a better source for news than electronically. This news never changed. It's good news. And it's a hope. And it's a future. Find yourself going into this news more than you do the one with the remote. And God will change your life. Let us pray. Father, I ask that we would be faithful to you this morning. As we consider how your spirit guides us. And we would consider the habits of life that can lead us astray. Habits that will lead us back into sin. As if we were never saved. Satan has a way of wanting to do that Lord. And I pray that we would fight and resist that in every fashion that we can. Father I pray that your spirit would speak to someone this morning. That's looking for hope and help in their life. They want to have the strength to resist sin. They want to have the victory over sin so that they can truly then step out and do great things for your kingdom. And Father, I pray that that person would find the grace that would be sufficient to change them. Father, may you speak to someone this morning who's seeking a life exemplary in your kingdom. And I pray that they would find that as they draw closer to you. Father, may we be faithful to you even in this day. In all that we do. And may we come near to you. For it's in your holy name we do pray. Amen.